There's one thing that we touched on, and that is risk. I look at that a little bit differently. What's the risk of doing nothing? Like, what happens if you actually do nothing? And that's the risk is that you're probably going to stay where you are, and that's going to be a lot worse than if you actually go and do something, start the business. And one of the other things I think we've really covered off well here is that starting a business is difficult. Mm. Expect it to be tough. Like, stop going in expecting there to be shortcuts everywhere, and you can just, you know, it's it's really going to be easy. You're going to start making a whole lot of money from day one. But expect it to be tough. But the risk of doing nothing is far greater than the risk of actually going and doing something. Welcome to the Unfair Advantage Project. Unique perspectives, practical insights, and unexpected discoveries directly focused on giving you the unfair advantage. Introducing your hosts, Nadia Hughes and Terrence Toe. Hi, and welcome to the Unfair Advantage Project. I'm Terence. I'm the creator and managing director of Strategic Corporation. And today here are my co-host, Nadia. Yes, thank you, Terence. I'm an accountant. I'm the most exciting profession in the world. And <laughs> I'm actually excited more than exciting. We're today talking to Lisa Stevenson. And I am so happy that you said yes. Thank you so much for coming Aww. to this podcast. So Lisa is the author of Read Me First, a book just releasing now. Yeah. She's a global speaker, leadership consultant, and a success coach, and founder of the global Australian-based consulting firm, Who Am I Projects. So welcome, Lisa, and thanks for being here with us today. It's a glorious day outside, and we're in here, and we're going to have a, hopefully a nice conversation. Yeah. What do you mean, hopefully? There is no other way. Oh. <laughs> when Lisa comes to podcast, you don't have a choice. <laughs> Lisa, can I just go straight to to the podcast mode? And I am so excited you actually released this book you were talking about you're going to write. Initially, if I didn't know you, I would think this is a very ambitious title. But knowing you, I think it's probably a modest title. So the book called Read Me First, what is this book about? Why the title? Mm, It's a good question and hopefully it's a good title. So firstly, thank you for having me. It is cool to be here and it is a beautiful day and look at us all very important with mugs and big (laughs) microphones and everything. So it is nice to be here and it's nice to take the time actually. I find podcasts are a really great way of stopping to connect and reflect and are quite useful for me to think about where I am now. So thank you for inviting me. So read me first, why is it called that? And I must say the most challenging part of producing this book was the title, (laughs) which I didn't know when I was actually writing it. So read me first came about as a working title because about nine years ago, I very suddenly found myself as a single mum of three small children and needing to work out a way to create a new version of life that would allow me to be the mum that I wanted to be and have the career that I wanted needed to have. And I kind of wish this book had been on the shelf at that time because I could hear that little entrepreneurial voice calling and I knew it was something that I wanted to do and that there's risk in that. And I remember reading all kinds of fantastic books actually, but what I wanted to do was write something where if someone finds themselves in the position where they're wanting to start something or stop something or perhaps they're mid-flow in that first few years of growing a business, they might want to change their career, start or leave a relationship, what are all the things that I should think about before I change something in my life? 
So read me first before start the next chapter. What do you think? Does that uh, work? Yes, it's pretty much works for me. And again, it's just when I picked this book, I smiled. And when I started reading first pages, the book is written in such a light language and it's just so recognizable. It's just ha- like a having conversation with you. Without any flattery, I tell you straight away, it's, it sucked me in in the first page. I wanted to know more. I probably have unfair advantage because I do know who is Lisa Stevenson is. Well, I think I do. You do. Uh, you do. And I am admiring the way that you have built from such a desperate situation of staying, like being a single mom. You build this multi-million dollar business. Am I allowed to disclose figures? Sure, <laughs> sure. It's okay to call it multi-million dollar business. <laughs> you are right my now. accountant, yeah. <laughs> um, and also, you're just well known. You call yourself coach, but what really is, what's the word for coach would be? How can mm. you elevate this word that you're not <laughs> in the same room with other coaches out there? And it's international, renowned name. This yeah. is Stevenson. You are asked to go to US, you are flying one moment and the next moment you somehow already in Asia roaming around. And <laughs> roaming around Asia. Yeah, uh, hopefully doing a bit of work while yes. I'm there. Yeah. Uh, I'm all business, obviously. I uh, just <laughs> I do have to claim deduction for that. And it's just amazing. And the next moment I'm calling you, you're already here. You need to catch up and do a few things and planning and everything. How did it all happen from this disparate, absolute situation? And are you crazy? I'm sorry. As a mother, I want to ask you, when you're in this desperate situation, first thing people go is getting part-time job. Yeah. Who in right state of mind goes into <laughs> business and not just a little business, goes into business of just having this complete picture of what the wealth is, looks like. When mm. I read you, and I talk too much, but I was blown away, I knew I wanted to one day buy a home for my children. Mm-hmm. I had a dream to buy a beach box. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to travel to Italy with my family. Mm. A self-sustaining business doing meaningful work was critical version in my success. Have I written it? <laughs> yes, you have. That is in the book. Yeah. And this is was like, I'm reading this page and I'm going thinking, here's Lisa, crying children, obviously, everybody mm. upset, mm-hmm. distressed. And this vision and sustainable business as well. Please now explain me what does it take for human being to take it off the ground? Mm. How was it humanly possible? Yes. So firstly, crazy is a word that is used to refer to me often. I've got um, very limited vocabulary. So yeah. forgive me if I choose <laughs> yeah. words which upset you or offend you. I'm very unapologetic Never. to my audience. Never. But however, I yes. do have limitations. Yes. So thank you for all of that. And do you know what? The answer to that is not a particularly sexy answer because the way that it has evolved is because I've worked really hard. You know, there's, I think, in growing a business and having a big vision, there is no shortcut, Nadia. You know, there is no way to kind of just make that happen. I've never met anyone yet who is an overnight success. So the short answer is that I have worked really, really hard. I've had to adapt my plan. I've had to surround myself with great people. I've compromised a lot. There's things that I've missed out on or not been able to have or do. The mother guilt is always real. I've stayed quite true to my vision about the sanctuary and home that I wanted to create for my children. Very, very clear about my purpose, our team to be able to deliver for our clients 
And it's, it's almost like anyone in business has to have a compass. You know, what's your bit that you come back to? And if you don't have that very clearly identified in your mind, you will lose your way. If I do, uh, you said clear to my purpose, what is your Lisa Stevenson purpose in life? Yeah. So there's a whole lot of really fancy books on this. When I think about purpose, it's when I put my head on the pillow at night, do I feel good about who I've been in the world today? You know, it's a really <laughs> simple way of thinking about it, but that's my bench test <laughs> is to kind of reflect on my day and think, was something different in the world? Was I the best mum that I could be? And, of course, I don't always get this stuff right. There's plenty of days I actually cry into my pillow rather than celebrating. But for me, purpose is did it feed my soul? Was I clear about what I needed to deliver? Did I learn something? Did I get a bit uncomfortable? Are there people out there who are perhaps doing or living their life differently as a result of the coaching or conversation or event that they've seen me speak at? Hmm. And you just mentioned the word uncomfortable. Did I feel uncomfortable? So I'm going through my personal growth and I just realized this one very, very valid lesson for out of all my misfortunes back. It's place of uncomfort. Hmm. You never learn from place of comfort. You always learn from place of great discomfort. So your life puts you in such an uncomfortable position. Yeah, that's one word. It was uncomfortable <laughs> to suddenly be a single mom and well, it's yeah. euphemism. Yeah, is it the word oh, yeah. as well. And you said also having a plan. What's your what were your first steps? So what we're we talking about? Kids, disparate. Yeah. Yes, first steps. Yes. So the f I actually remember, you know, sitting at my kitchen bench and knowing that I was going to have to move house and that my children potentially couldn't stay in the school that they were in and we en we did end up moving schools. And I sat at my kitchen bench and went, what is going to be the thing that gets me through this? Before I could even get to a plan, you know, I, you're not in a state to create a plan or to think creatively or necessarily even trust yourself when you're in trauma or grief. And we all have those times in life, I think. But what I did say was, what am I going to choose for me? And what I chose, which sounds a bit, I don't know, weird now, but I chose curiosity you know, I chose. I loved it. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. I thought, you know, when I feel fearful, and and many of us live with fear in all different ways: fear of failing, fear of relationships, fear of not making it in our career, all kinds of things. But I thought, when I feel totally overwhelmed with the thought of how I'm going to raise these three children on my own, I'm going to choose curiosity instead. So I'm going to ask myself questions and I'm going to wonder what I'm capable of and what's possible. And I won't ever be a bitter ex-wife. I'll be a curious ex-wife. How's he doing? How are the kids doing? What does everybody need? When I think about my plan, coming back to your question, Nadia, around what will my future look like, instead of feeling anxious or excited or that all of those things felt a bit fleeting to me, I'm going to be curious about my future. So every day I'm going to write in my journal, what else could I have done today? Did I get uncomfortable today? Did I achieve the things that I wanted to? So I just got really curious about possibility and me. And I'm really fascinated by 
as adults and grown-ups, we often find out what we're capable of because of something, a trigger. Yes. You know, don't you think? It's a forced resilience. It is a forced resilience. And I think most of us as adults have in our life times where things go wrong. Very few of us get off lightly, do we? Well, if you don't have something that goes wrong, there probably is something wrong. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Most of us have a relationship that breaks down or we might have a sick child or we're made redundant, you know, and we had no idea that was coming. For most of us, there are some incidents or some experiences that we have that really test us. And it's who we are in that What I'm fascinated by is why we have to have those experiences to find out what our true potential is. You know, like, is that the greatest life hack of all? (laughs) You know, how do I find out what I can really do with my life without having to go through trauma? Mm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That goes pretty deep. But then I think back to all of the experiences that I've had, my worst experiences have become probably my greatest assets being the things that I've learnt the most from so I tend to agree with that and what I love throughout the story is that that you've told in the book is that where you say you've chosen curiosity you obviously went through some really tough times and you kind of instead of choosing to be bitter about it you know you seem to have just chosen another way which is a better way you've looked towards the future rather than dwelling in the past is that kind of Yeah, I mean, I've certainly (laughs) had moments of indulgence, Terence, (laughs) let's be real, that may have involved a bottle of wine and looking back and feeling real sadness and grief and some anger and all of those things because I think, you know, we're such complex beasts, aren't we? Mm. There is a process that we need to go through. But I think what makes the difference is that we say, well, I'll do that for tonight, you know, but tomorrow morning I'm going to get up and have a shower and, you know, make the kids a great breakfast and get about my day. It's how we sort of self-manage that and it's what we do with that, you know. So if I have a bad day or, you know, sometimes a bad week or it's, okay, well, nothing's actually different as a result of that, which can be really frustrating. It's like I cried and used all those (laughs) tissues and I sat in the bottom of the shower and the bills still have to be paid. And there's an empty bottle of wine. (laughs) empty bottle of wine. (laughs) So, you know, it's not that I haven't had those moments. It's just that I take them for what they are and I process them and I take responsibility for them and then I go, but what else? You know, there's no point if I don't turn that into something. And I'm very aware that I'm a role model to my children and I think the skill of resilience is almost the most important gift we can give our kids, actually. Yeah, I agree with you. And another thing I do want to, maybe you can help me to understand this. A lot of women now and more than ever going through separation. Social dynamics has changed. People break mm-hmm. up all the time. I have to deal with on client level as well as my own personal level. They, we're going through a notion of grief. Grief has a huge energy mm-hmm. which you can channel. There is a choice. This is where I think people have a choice. Grief, it's a lot of biology going behind the grief and what it released in our brain. And this energy can propel us 
far. So some women, like let's say Nicole Kidman or Lisa Stevenson, they go along the way. To wait, go- wait, wait. <laughs> hang on, hang on. Did you just put the name Lisa Stevenson and Nicole Kidman in the same sentence? Because that's going to be a career highlight for me. Did we, did we get that? Yeah, well, I think we got uh, it. You, you, you both Australians to me. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that all it was? Yeah. Okay, not maybe Two so significant then. Too resilient This is the yeah. amazing part. What do you think? It's a just, it's a heroine story. It's a story of a woman who just used the energy of her grief and create good in the world. Mm-hmm. You then went on your business. You have your family to take care, care. It's your prime as a mother. You had to look after your kittens. And then you just <laughs> went off to just a complete world mission of changing the way people feel not about only themselves, redesigning, restructuring, rewinding relationship in life and businesses. And what are you coaching them, those people there? Are they paying a lot of money for just listening to Lisa Stevenson? I want to know what are you telling them on this session? Hang on, I don't think it's a lot of money. No, let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I pay an appropriate on. amount of money for but the coaching conversation. So this podcast yeah. is about getting to this high-end specialist. And yeah. I, sorry, I'm just getting on this level. And if mm-hmm. it offends you, can forgive me later, but can we talk about it now? Sure. I, think, I think Marty is asking for some coaching on the spot right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. I just want to know for my... Yeah. Business clients, they are in position of desperation. They are sitting there and pulling their heart and don't know how to pay their suppliers. They go through challenges in life like Mm -hmm. you have been. You had cash flow crisis in the past when you realized that you have to take kids out of school. The same happens on a business level. Nothing different. I'm putting this person in front of you. What would you be? Mm. Where do you start with them? Yeah. So there is a really important coaching conversation, I think, that happens. And it is a good question, Nadia, because I don't know the numbers, but we could make some up. Let's not. But, you know, there are literally thousands and thousands of entrepreneurs, innovators, creators, small business people in this country. And we know a lot of them fail. And there's lots of reasons why that happens. And when people come and have coaching conversations with me, I normally start, there's four things I kind of look at. One is, are they clear about the vision and the plan? The second thing is, do they know what reality looks like for their business? So what are their blockers? Who are their key stakeholders? What's the reality of what they're pitching? In essence, if I was summarizing that, what is their unique positioning statement in this country around what they're offering? The next thing I do is spend some time working through with them what all of the opportunities actually are. You know, sometimes we just don't know what we don't know and we're so far in it and we can feel like we're drowning a bit actually, particularly in that small business world. So what are the questions that they haven't asked? What are the questions that they don't know the answers to? Who is potentially in their network that they haven't considered yet? And the fourth thing is what are they actually doing? Who are they doing it with? You know, if you think about the W's, I call it, mm. who, you know, when are they doing it? Have they got really great timeframes in place that they, you know, are quite attached to? And what's actually happening as a result of that in the short term, long term? You know, I generally look at sort of up to two and five years in terms of their plan. And it can take a number of coaching sessions just to work out that first part. You know, what really is my vision here? What is the goal of this business? 
am I really clear and can I articulate what success will look like for us? So often I find in business we are going along to get along, like we're doing what's required to make sure that everyone can get paid and that, you know, the next wave of business is flowing through, whether it's a product or a service. And it's really difficult to kind of get off what I call that dance floor moment where you're in it and stand up on the balcony and review the business and have clarity on that. Full stop. Did that make sense? Yes. yes, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so my question from all of that is you're reviewing those four main areas. Mm. Do you find that there's one particular area that everyone gets stuck on or the majority of people really get stuck on? They, they, you know, what's the probably the number one challenge that they're having out of those four areas? Yeah, I think the, the biggest challenge is the reality gets skipped over. You know, they forget to do the reality check or that feels too hard or they're not quite sure where to start. So if they work out where they're heading and then my job, you know, sometimes in these conversations that is about business is to say, what is the reality here? You know, what's the strength in your staff? Do people want to buy you or your product? Do you really know who your competitors are? Is this even what you want to do? There's something really personal about running a business And so when you start to go into the reality check of, is this kind of what you thought it would be? If someone had said to you, it will be 100 hours a week, you know, and it'll keep you awake at night and you'll be putting in some of, you know, you'll be self-funding and would you have said yes or no? So that reality check, I think, is where there's a bit of pain. Yeah. Yeah. That comes back to something you said earlier, which is there is no shortcut to success. Yeah. And- I actually, I don't know, I'm starting to get a little bit of annoyed with my Facebook feed because I see (laughs) all these people trying to sell shortcuts. Mm. Everything is about Mm. how can I sell you a shortcut? We make business look easy. We make it look exciting. We make it look profitable from day one. We Mm. can get you there in, you know, you get all these promises. We can get you there in in seven days or whatever the case is, you know, get all the clients you you, you ever need. Success Express. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Nadia has a habit. She has a habit of making up words. We haven't done an episode yet where we haven't had something made up. Yeah, good. Love it. But do you think people are getting caught up in this, you know, just just, just the the shortcut to success? (laughs) The magic bullet. Oh, she's got another one. Yeah, yeah. We're getting all of these down. (laughs) We are. And I actually think that applies to all of life, not just business. You know, we want to lose weight quickly. We want money quickly. We want success quickly. We want everything to be quite convenient. We still want to have time to do the things in life that we really love. And I I don't mean that in terms of us being lazy. I think we're just so used to pressing buttons on things and things getting delivered really quickly. And so everything in life is about fast pace, whether it's fast results. You know, we we want all of it. We got caught up in bistro style, I think, all of us. And it just fast food leads us to fast food. Yeah, fast food. Everything. You know, and there's... Some of that is great. Like if you look at the world right now, we have never, ever, ever had more access to everything we need to be awesome. We've got access to information. We've got access to really healthy food in this country. We've got access to all kinds of expert thought leaders. You know, we are in such a blessed position right now in terms of how the world operates. And yet 
We've got extremely high rates of self-harm, mental health issues, obesity, Mm. you know, so there's a real disconnect there, isn't there, that we've got all the tools in front of us to lead really rich, robust, healthy, resilient lives, and yet some of us feel quite stuck. I mean, you know, you mentioned Nadia earlier, the divorce rate in this country. And when I speak to people at that, often they actually feel really isolated. You know, it's a really isolating experience for people. And yet, you know, nearly half the country who is married is having that similar experience. So there's something that's not quite coming together. And the reality is that, you know, Terence, if I think about your point around this quick fix stuff, mm. is business doesn't work that way. It doesn't. If Even in writing this book, <laughs> you know, like we don't know what we don't know, right? And if someone had said to me, well, it will be 300 hours of you sitting at a desk and you'll need physio for your neck and, you know, there'll be graphic designers and editors and proofers. Do you know they're even, they are different people? Who knew? <laughs> and there's, there's, there's a cover person and there'll be meetings and, you know, would you actually say yes to the hard work? And for some people... The answer is no. What's I'm not prepared answer? to do that. But what's your answer? Yeah, well, my answer was yes, although I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. I didn't exactly. know. You, you said yes <laughs> on ignorance. Yeah, I did. <laughs> and now educated. What is the second book? We'll oh, stop it. Come on, what's the second book? I'm still in trauma from this one. <laughs> okay, okay. No, no. Well, all I can say is... Watch this space, Nadia. Of course, I'll be. Of course, I'll be. They'll be in. I learned so much through this process. It's actually writing a book is a very confronting, challenging process. You know, there's nothing quick and easy about writing a book. For me, somebody who writes a book, obviously, when they sincere to your level, not when they just want about information or things like that, (laughs) but real sincere, yes. I always can blame accent. I didn't mean what I said. Yeah. <laughs> and um, but reading your book, what I do feel, it's like walking in sanctuary of intimacy of you, Lisa, you, and you just sharing this moment when you curled up in the shower. Mm. You won't be talking like that to a stranger. But I'm walking into your very private world through the book. Yeah. And I am feeling very privileged walking through because this book written authentically. This written with a heart. And this is what stood out. And of course, being in a writing bag than business, I do understand it just takes so much editing. Mm. And you write from your heart and you read it and you think it's wonderful. And then you come and editor just chops it, chops it, yes. cuts it. <laughs> and you rewrite on eight times. There is no place for authenticity anymore. You yes. just want it go. That's a hard <laughs> work. It's a labor work yes. to, to produce written piece of material. I have full appreciation. So when I see a book and when the book is actually written wonderfully and still has this authenticity and there is no fatigue at the end of the book, it's still mm. quite robust. Mm. I think it's something. I really think it's something. What I do want to focus in a book, page 107. That's how much I read about this page book. Page 107. What do you did remember I, what you what wrote What did I say? Yeah. You wrote about Rockstar, building business uh-huh. as a rockstar. Yeah. I want to yeah. imagine you that this camera is not a camera. Yeah. It's a business owner. <laughs> oh, yes. The thought-provoking number 17. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. My favorite for some reason. Yeah. I don't know. It really strikes me because I want to be a rock star myself. I never will be. It just absolutely oh, told you, You're just your own version of that. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. This, uh, okay, yeah. Garage. Maybe karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> garage one. And driving here, I was listening to Queen. He was 
really, really good thing, I believe, the Freddie Mercury. But anyway, what I'm talking about, Rockstar, can you just imagine this is in front of you, a business mm. owner? Can mm. you tell them in your full Lisa Stevenson passion how they should build the business? Yeah, so, okay, this is important and I'm clearly not really referencing music when I talk about the rock star version of you. The reason I called it that is because when we look at the rock stars that most of us know and love, if you look at a, you know, a Bono, for example, they are so passionate about what they do. They live and breathe music every day. They write it, they listen to other artists, they go to concerts, they sit in their studios for days on end. They live and breathe what is the world and their passion. And I think there's something really important for that about that for us as business owners. Are we living and breathing our business? And it's quite all-consuming and there would certainly be people listening to this saying, well, actually, that's not what success would look like for me. But in my experience, that is what is required to establish a business. I have to live it and breathe it, fall in love with it, have arguments with it, get frustrated, threaten to leave, come back, bring the very best version of me to that. And so... What's interesting about this is that we have research that indicates that most of us leave about 60% of our potential at home. And what that means is not that we're lazy or we don't care or we're not passionate, but we're so caught up in being busy. We're so caught up in going about our day jobs and getting the to-do list done and juggling and kids. You said and busy is not sexy. Busy is not sexy. You oh, know, busy. Book just said it, and yeah. I go bingo. <laughs> yeah. It's really not. You know, and in fact, it, it's a word I try not to use. My life might be full. I might be in the juggle on that particular day. It might be a cray cray day. But, you know, when we say we're busy, essentially what we're saying is I haven't quite prioritised my day in a way that works for me or I'm feeling a bit out of control. And the rock star version of people and the people who are really using that potential that I was talking about have some real clarity about what they're saying yes to, what they're saying no to, you know, about what passion they're going to bring to what they're doing. And so if I'm mostly only using about 60% of my potential when I go to work or when I'm in my business, what else are we really capable of? So just giving ourselves that time, you know, that white wall thinking. I often say to people, you know, if I'm speaking at events or in coaching sessions, when was the last time you had a brand new thought about your business or yourself? When was the very last time, you know, you can catch yourself and remember the moment of going, wow, why haven't we thought of that before? And if if you're not carving out the space to be living and breathing in your business and passionate and you're not locked away in the studio sometimes like a rock star, those moments won't come and they're really important moments. A question, when did you have last fresh thought? Because for my business owners, it's number one probably number one whinge they have. It's just caught up. We should all answer that question. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, For me, good... it was this morning. Mm. What did you do? This morning I was reviewing who one of the first things I was doing was kind of I sat down and I was watching some videos. I was doing a bit of learning and doing a bit of working in my own business, looking at refining who my perfect client is and all that type of thing and really just kind of putting thought into that. So for mm-hmm. me, you know, my business coaching as well. So mm-hmm. it's a relatively new business for me. It's a, you know, I've the strategic 
corporation's been going for nearly 12 months, nearly your first birthday. Right. So. Wow. That's big. So, yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Survived all myself. Yeah. <laughs> What's your feel actually? Okay, listen. Yeah. Do you? What's yeah. your, your fresh thought for your business? So, well, Hopefully so, nobody will decide. So, yeah, no. Well, <laughs> so this morning, um, so my days, as you can imagine, are very full. You know, I very rarely get an opportunity to be bored. In fact, I think that sounds wonderful when people say, "I was so bored on the I weekend." Saw that. I noted yeah. that in the book. <laughs> I'm like, "Wow, good. what's that like?" Tell me. But what I am very disciplined about is taking little moments of time that are for me to see if those new thoughts do come. So. Even today, I was up early. I was coaching a client in America on the phone this morning. If you look at my Instagram this morning in my live feed, you know, I actually stopped at a lookout looking out over the ocean. I turned off my phone. I set the timer for five minutes and I just sat there and closed my eyes with the sun and I just breathe. You know, I just did that breathing and just being in the moment and just some would call it meditation, but for me, just allowing things to flow, like seeing those thoughts that come across. And then I opened my eyes when the timer went off and I looked out at the beautiful ocean and it's actually the first moment, I feel a little bit emotional about this, that I just had this moment of going, oh my God, I think I'm actually an author. (laughs) You know, like I think I hadn't really... You know, since the book kind of, I saw it for the first time on Friday, went out for dinner with the kids on Friday night and celebrated and, you know, friends were dropping in and beautiful people have sent flowers and it's all very lovely. But I hadn't had that five minutes to just be with myself and just do the nice breathing. And so I took a photo of the beautiful view and put it on Instagram and just went, you know, taking a minute before I start you know, what is a really big day, you know, here with you you guys this morning and, and things on for the rest of the day. So had I not stopped to do that, you know, I don't know when that moment would have come actually. Yeah. And it sounds like a small thing and it's a bit wanky actually. I was sitting in the car going, I'm a legend, <laughs> check me out, high-fiving myself. Um, I think that's, I mean, but- I think it's a really, sometimes you have to just stop and go, yeah, this is actually what I've done, you know, yeah. I've, I've achieved something. Yeah. And I think entrepreneurs, we kind of beat ourselves up a lot because it's like, yep, I've done that. Now I've got to move on to something else. Yeah. But sometimes you've actually got to appreciate what you've what you've been through to get where you are now. Yeah. Can we talk about that for a minute? Because Absolutely. I think for people in small business, anyone who is entrepreneurial or anyone who's in a leadership type role, I find if you go into that high performance category of someone who's going hard at something at life, you are often your own worst self-critic. Yes. Don't you think? Yeah. Like most of the conversations I have with people who are doing really well, they walk into my office for a coaching session and start with, I've got a long list today, Lise, a long (laughs) list of things I've got to work through that I don't know how I miss that and all the things I'm doing wrong or my partner's really frustrated with me, I'm working too much, and we immediately go to the staff that is not working or that we're be- we want to be hard on ourselves about, which, you know, you just raise Terence. And I think that creates a lot of noise for people. Mm. A lot of energy. Yeah. It's, it's like this energy that's, that, that they're kind of losing, thinking about things that maybe they could approach in a completely different way. Maybe it doesn't even matter to begin with. And maybe they just need to focus on something else rather than focusing on the problem. And I had a very similar conversation with a client of mine 
mm. a week ago and he said, I've got, he mapped out all these things that he hadn't done. Yeah. And this is a guy that's more than doubled his revenue wow. in the last six months, right? Yeah. So I just I had to remind him of that and say, but hang on, this is what you've achieved. And he said, oh, now that you put it that way, yeah. you know, I can think about it a bit differently. So, yeah, I absolutely agree. We, we've just got to learn to, you know, maybe celebrate our wins. Yes, I love bit. that. Yeah, I think it's really important to celebrate all of the things that we're doing well. And I think it's very Australian culture too, actually, that we, you know, we're, we're meant to be humble, don't talk about being too good. True. You know, don't be a tosser. <laughs> Do you know that word, Nadia? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely you know, don't be a don't, tosser. Don't, definitely don't be a tosser. That's what we should call the podcast <laughs> from today. <laughs> but, you know, there's a, a spectrum here, right? Like there's shades of grey and I don't mean anything weird by that term. Oh, we're blizzed yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> that was in the book too and <laughs> I saw that. Nice. No, no, no. I saw well, that actually, I, I do make that reference but not uh, It's about- my favourite part <laughs> yeah. when you present it. You just actually talked about going on a date and it was yeah. your first date after, yeah. dro- after drought yes. and I'm uh, that's when I'm just thinking. Hang on, I didn't talk about droughts in this yeah, book. Uh, no, not no, drought. no, no, that, that wasn't in the book. One of your befo- I've been on one of your stage performances. Yes, you I know. Me. And yes, it was yes. the best part. You just so absolutely innocently said, when you go on a date, it's like you have to have sex. Yeah, how does this work? Yeah, how does it work? <laughs> what are the rules? What are the rules? It was so funny. And I'm yeah. just like, I, I turn around and everybody just sitting looking at it. She just said that? Yeah. <laughs> what, what yes, was, I had a lot to learn. Was a lot cute. to learn. It's, when you've only been in one relationship your whole adult life, because I met my ex-husband when I was just 17, it is quite something to go on your, to speak learning to date when you're in your 40s yeah that's a whole different podcast yeah that is (laughs) that's like that's like a series of five episodes that's actually the next book (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well it's kind of sex in the city arm of the podcast that'll be called meet me first That's really good. I'll um, call the publisher. (laughs) Register the domain, actually. Yeah. Yeah, before anyone else. Yeah, yeah, me first. Yeah. And my experience coming back to our fascinated conversation, which, which for some reason always skip, for me, being in a business, what I did notice is like jumping on a train and suddenly everything, events and nice highlights and everything, you're still going. You go, go, go. You don't have time. This is not your stop. You don't hop out and touch the trees and shake the hands. You're just watching it, registering your head. Yep, achieved. Next, next, next. That's how I found it. It was a wild ride for me. And it's been a few years and I only now start thinking, hang on a second, what's going on? And that's why I cre- like wanted to with Terence and when idea this came out to have sharing something, this is creative me. Because being an accountant, I had to be creative with my clients, not in a bad sense, in a good sense. I do not lie, as you know, I arrange truth in their favor. But however, I just did notice that a lot of people do not stop to breathe like me. And I recognize these things. And at the end, they desensitize to life. And when you desensitize, you stop producing good ideas for your business. Mm. This is what happening. You overfed with, you overstimulated, overfed with events and so so many achievements and everything that you stop registering them mm. anymore. That's how I found myself being a little bit numb from mm. so many things happening 
around. But anyway, I'm alive again. <laughs> you are alive. And she's back. You, and she's back. <laughs> you definitely. I think when you speak to people in, particularly in small to medium enterprise, they are tired a lot. It's a big job, you know, if, particularly if it's your capital, you're responsible for people, you know, who've got to be paid. They've, they've got mortgages to pay and it's it's a really big responsibility, you know, to be in business. And I think if you don't structure in your place to rejuvenate, it will bite you later, you know, because it won't naturally ever come. All businesses have peaks and troughs, but in this day and age, I speak to very few business owners that say, you know, we know that we'll have downtime and there won't be anything to do. It's really only over Christmas. And I'm old enough to remember a time when, you know, everything would shut down over December and January. And now that's really only the tradies, you know, it's really only tradies who do that. So everybody's going hard a lot and no one is going to tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, you've been running really fast and hard. You need to take some time. So I have been quite strategic about how I filter that stuff in. Do you want to hear about the coolest thing I ever yes, did for that? Please do so. <laughs> so I actually took my children out of school and went and lived in Italy for a term. And it was just, I do high five myself for that. It was a really fun, super cool experience and And it took me about a year to sort of have that plan in place because obviously when you've got a consulting business, a coaching practice, you know, you've got all of these things happening, you need to know that your business can run without you. And that's kind of scary because if you're the primary person generating income, you know, what will happen if I'm not there? What if something goes wrong? You know, there's all of those things to make sure that. And so that was a really great experience for me to say, do I have the right people around me? How do I set up the business? And the feedback that I got from clients was devastating, which was, you're not that important, Lisa, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Have a great time in Italy. We'll all go about and do our thing and see you when you get back. And, you know, I had set things up so that I could still do coaching calls and things from wherever I was in the world. And the children and, and I, my three little people, you know, we had this time to live just outside of Florence and wake up and say, oh, let's go to Cinque Terre for the day. And and so I share that story not to be, to make it sound glamorous because let's face it, Italy is. And I did eat carbs every day and maybe have wine most days. But because when we just do a little bit of planning and when we have some clarity about the goal and we understand the benefits of taking that time, that was where I first started writing my book. You know, it was where I had some new thoughts and clarity about what phase two of my business would look like, you know, which we were talking about a little bit before the podcast. It was when I was able to let go of mother guilt and say, okay, so in the build-up of this business, there's there's a lot of travel that I've had to do and there's school events that I've not been able to go to and things like that. But every day now for, you know, three months, I'm going to wake up with my children and we will have adventures together. And so it was really healing. It wasn't just about going to Italy. It was this really strategically planned experience with benefits that I hadn't even thought about. I think we all deserve that. 
to have that time. It's great. I was reading it in the book. The question that I've got from that story is really what impact do you think that trip and that whole experience had on your life and your business? Yeah, yeah. So the impact on my life was really personal because I... F- but you didn't meet Giovanni. This <laughs> or Stefano. <laughs> no, I did not. And, you know, unlikely when you're travelling with three small children to be swept off your feet by a good-looking, tall Italian man, although I... They're not tall. Yeah, are they? Oh, well, yeah, okay. Fair call. <laughs> <laughs> but I think for me personally, and I've had this conversation with lots of single parents actually... You know, can you be totally invested in a business and work on a global scale and be a really connected parent? And what Italy showed me was that the answer to that is yes. You know, I do travel a lot and I do work really, really hard, but I feel so connected with my children. You know, I know that my children know they are so loved by me and it's not about how much time I'm just in the house And so Italy was really nice validation that I'm doing a few things right and I haven't messed them up too much. And in the business, it was significant because I had run pretty hard for close to seven years and the business was beautifully established and I didn't actually know that until I went to Italy Mm. and had the evidence points that it it could run and that I have the most talented and skilled coaches that work with me and actually don't really need me and are quite (laughs) capable of of creating great, you know, coaching experiences for our clients and things without me having to be there. So, and it also just created that space in the business for me to look at stuff. This will sound boring, but it's important. I would find myself logging into Dropbox and just looking at this huge amount of content that we have and then have some new thinking to go, do I want to do something with that? You know, do we have an online platform that's sitting right here? I've never even thought about that because looking at computer screens does make me want to stab myself in the eye. (laughs) But is that a business opportunity? You know, should I email someone? And so it was quite revolutionary to have that time and a lot of things changed. Plus I ate pizza a lot. But you also yeah. walked a lot, so you walked off those paths. I, yeah, this is probably digressing, but I actually <laughs> lost weight. Oh, wow. Because I think what happens, I know you've had a podcast with Mr. Craig Harper. He would be able to explain this far better than me. But when you sleep really well, you know, that Italian lifestyle of sleeping in late and making sure you get your eight to ten hours, when you sleep and when you walk – and exercise and your body gets that physical stimulation consistently every day, something happens, like your body kind of shifts. And the Italian culture is very much like that. You know, in Australia, we have all our fancy leggings that we put on to go walking, so we look amazing. (laughs) You know, in Italy, they go out for a one-hour walk in their high heel boots and skinny leg jeans before they have their 10 o'clock dinner, you know, and it's just it's part of the culture to be active and... So, yeah, it was an incredible experience. Well, this is something you have experienced it, what majority of business owners dream of, and they never make it. How many of them, it's too little, too late, the kids grown up, they mm. miss this opportunity. So you grab this opportunity by its tail. You grabbed it in the right time. 
What I also hear, it's a very, very interesting concept of how to plan a holiday overseas, buy a ticket and make it happen. Mm. What you have done, you I remember the you planning process yes. and it was amazing to hear this out but this planning process helped you out to assess your business sustainability mm. lisa stepped out of the business for a few minutes returned back and the business was fine yes the business actually flourished because yeah. because the, the business was probably better off <laughs> there's a lesson in that for all of us <laughs> it's flourished because the amount of system and support you had to put in prior to it and a planning went into it. It just mm. had to boom. That's yeah. what happened. And a lot of people probably need to step out of the business from time to time to, to assess the strengths of the business. And this is probably the most useful tip. And, and the when weaknesses. Your trip, mm. Yes, just plan it. And the yeah. weaknesses as well. Yeah, they, the stuff that doesn't work they when show you're not themselves, there. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Which what is what important. the biggest weakness was? Just tell us. Come on, share. The biggest weakness... There were a few things that probably felt hard. One was just not being across everything because I wasn't in the detail. When I, I got back, there were. I'm actually not. In fact, I detail and process stuff is, you know, that's not my strength, but I do it because it's required to serve my business. So I don't feel like I naturally want to be in everything and control everything. But when I came back, I certainly did feel like there were things that were getting missed because I didn't know what was in transit, what new conversations might have been happening, what opportunities we might be missing. Because, of course, we can often feel like no one's going to drive our business like we do. But, you know, there's not a specific example of that. It was just this feeling, you know, that I carried for a couple of months after I got back. That's small price to pay. Yeah, I think that was okay. And, of course, you're always managing cash flow. Right. So when you're in front of clients and they see you, that can be a trigger for invoices to get paid and things like that. So when you're out of the country, you know, that same relationship might not be happening. So there were certainly things that felt a bit different. So I came back and I was following up on some stuff, but really nothing fell apart, like nothing broke. And in fact, what I learned was that I had some people in the business, you know, I had my Rach, I call them mine, you know, and Sal and and Nadia, you know, my mum, you know, was has Sandra. been the opera Sandra has been the operations manager in the business since I started. And they were really just in everything and they cared for the business like it was theirs. You know, when you've got the right people around you, it's okay. It's their business. You guys are a team. It was and one team member needed time off and the rest supported. Yes. That's what how I felt. That's how it came across. That's a really nice thing way to think about it. You know, they wanted me to have that time. They did. And they genuinely and they, they were very yeah. concerned and stressed that they, everything goes according. Yes. Last thing they wanted to bother you with yes. that's what came across. Yes. What it brings us to the point of every business owner should have approached. I find myself, when people tell me that they're working for me, I don't like this. I don't like hearing this working for me. I like concept working for a client right? and us all mm-hmm. in the same boat. Mm-hmm. I just tell my people that I'm just a suck who took a risk and has to pay your wages. That's <laughs> yeah. all it is. I, boss, being yeah. boss of somebody, it's a nonsense concept in modern world. That's how I feel. Mm-hmm. Hierarchy doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say you work with me, mm. not for me. Mm. And we work for the client. We have an idea and service. And what's your thoughts about it? Am I taking yeah. too far? No, I, I, no I think that's a 
really smart thing because people love to feel empowered. Nobody, not very many people like to be told what to do. But I don't say it from a manipulative point of view of making them feel empowered. What I do tell them is that the focus of it's working for the boss, it brings this funny behavior of good girl, bad girl. And I want them on higher level of moral mm-hmm. development where they are actually have a goal working for. Yeah, when we feel like we are part of something that is bigger than us, you know, that has to work to the advantage of the business. And the other thing I like about what you said is, you know, we are here to serve our clients. You know, I, as entrepreneurs and business owners, I think some of us make the mistake early on that of thinking that running our own business will give us lots of freedom and we'll be our own boss. And I remember thinking that. And in fact, now I just have lots of people I'm accountable to because I have clients that really matter, you know, to the business. So I just have more of them, I think. And so I love that concept, Nadia, of we are here to serve our client and that has to be at the core of how we make decisions and how we serve each other. I also think that it's important for us to understand when we're running a business, the difference between managing our business and leading our business. Mm -hmm. And I think what you're talking about is about that leadership part of it, right? So I will say to coaching clients, well, is that a management issue or a leadership issue? And, you know, some of them absolutely get that concept and do it really well. And for other people, they go, oh, well, hang on, let me just break that down so some people actually don't understand the difference yeah Yeah. well not that they don't understand it it just it all goes together right because if you're the person who is the managing director or the ceo or you're wearing all those hats and it's big right so it all kind of can blend in but it's strategic and clever to step back and say is this where i need to be a manager in my business and by that i mean it's about process What's working? What are the results that we need? You know, management is very much about how things run, what policies we have, or is does this require me to be a leader, which is about my people? So how am I empowering my people? How am I sharing the vision with them? How am I engaging with them in a way that says they make a difference in what we do? So the management versus leadership staff is really important for people in business because I think most of us are naturally good at one of those, but not both. And that's a real challenge if you've got a pretty lean structure in your business. Mm. You know, I personally, the leadership piece is my joy. You know, I love to have conversations with my people about, you know, what they want to contribute and how they're adding value and, you know, what we're doing for our clients and, and anything around their growth. The management piece, like when someone hands me an expense form, I literally groan out loud. I know. (laughs) You know, Nadia will often drop me emails or we'll have meetings and say, well, can you get me that paperwork? And I'll go, is that required? So it's really important as we grow and evolve to make sure we're rounding out both of those. You know, what management skills do I need for my business to really be successful? And what is the leadership requirements that are needed by me for my business to get to wherever I want it to get to? Quite often, we have tandem of husband and wife in a business. And uh-huh. wife would be a manager and husband would be a leader. Right. But they would not understand that. They would actually uh-huh. misinterpret their roles. And while she's managing, she would think she's a leader. Mm-hmm. And husband would think otherwise around that he's a bit. That's an interesting thing. 
Leader for me is an inspiration, there is an inspiration, mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. ability to commit people. You mm-hmm. said a lot of people go to this uh, beautiful workshops and you would be running them as well and get inspired and mm-hmm. then it wears off. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they don't have a new point it out, they don't go into commitment mode. So commitment is this is yeah. what differs any success from just the having spare of energy. Oh, yeah, we all will do that and oh, yeah, yes. that's normal. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, you talked about how leadership can be about inspiration. I think the flip side of that is management is about information. You know, managers are great and should be great at getting information out. What do people need to know? How are we keeping people safe? What are the results we're going for? Have we got the right processes in place? And our leaders should absolutely be creating that inspiration. Now, I think the challenge that you're picking up on there, Nadia, is that when people feel inspired, the impact of that is that they feel quite motivated and motivation is lovely, isn't it? I love a bit of motivation. (laughs) I really enjoy it. I normally have it for about five minutes, you know, when you get that adrenaline rush or, and it passes really quickly. You know, every Monday I'm going to be alcohol-free for the week and have no cakes or carbs and I'm going to eat really well and go to the gym every single morning and by Tuesday my motivation has passed. And, you know, and so it's the commitment, right? And so a lot of my clients actually have a commitment strategy and it's normally something that just sits on one page. It's not big, it's not complicated. But when my motivation passes, what is it that I'm committed to? whether it's a daily, weekly or monthly kind of commitment, which also just kind of raises the point, I think, about how our business owners are looking after themselves. Don't you Mm. think? I find that people in business often can be brilliant at looking after their people and they're on the verge of a heart attack. Have you seen that as a coach? I've seen the heart attacks. Yeah, right. It's a bit scary. I have seen people could not be resuscitated after conversation with insolvency people. So I think quite... It's quite dramatic. So I took you downtown. It's just that's what Russians do. (laughs) So I'm sorry about that, Lisa. So we're all going to die in Texas also. Unavoidable. Texas always will be a topic of politics. We have to mention that. But what I do like this thing, spot on, I... Now revamping completely the way I'm advising my client because they might have all these plans and goals and margins want to move and we're working on margins and everything. And then I look at the face and I spot the high cholesterol. I become a very good GP. And the the biggest asset is actually their bodies. Yeah. Their bodies and their minds. Yeah. How far they're going to propel them and their margins will mean nothing. Yeah. The insurance policies will go to their kids and kids will become lazy and corrupted. That's all will happen. Let's mm. just face it. But what is really important we need to do now is focusing on your health. Yeah. That's yeah. basically. Well, you can buy almost anything. But mental health is well. But Yeah. But a new body and a new head and a new new heart, really. There are definitely things I could be doing better with this, by the way, myself. Like this is a real challenge for me. But what I am really clear about is if I am okay, everyone else will be okay. You know, the kids will be okay, staff will be okay, the business will run. So if I'm not okay and there's something going wrong with me, it's not a luxury to stop and take care of myself. It's actually my responsibility. 
I have clients who put me on a plane and fly me to America to speak to people and fly people in from Asia and all over the place. I can't just be sick. You know, like I can't just go, oh, I'm feeling a bit off or my energy is low or I've lost my voice or I actually have a responsibility to eat well and to rest and to look after me and make sure I'm getting what I need because otherwise I'm not really honouring the trust that all these people have put in me, you know. So I don't see it as an indulgence. I go, there are times when I have to say no and times when I have to stop. And there's all kinds of little things that I have in place. You know, I even a, just a good massage. Do you think that maybe sometimes we're measuring the wrong things? Like mm-hmm. as entrepreneurs, as business owners, just as people in general in life, we, the things that we measure, what do we measure? We measure money. Mm-hmm. We measure time. We measure assets. Mm-hmm. We measure all these things. One thing that I haven't heard many people measuring is their energy. Yeah. I love that. Like Mm. how much energy do you actually have and what creates energy for you? Because some of the things that you're talking about here, I think you're talking about really doing some things that you love. And there was one thing in the book, just I'll come back to the energy (laughs) thing in a second. One thing in the book that I noticed was missing Mm -hmm. and that was work-life balance, Mm. right? Mm. And I actually, I love the fact that it was missing, right? Because like work-life balance, what even is that? Yeah, it's not a real thing. It's like if you put the energy into things that give you more energy, Yeah, that's all you need to do. Yes. And I think that's a lot of what we're having, you know, this conversation, what it's about. But, you know, if, if you eat well, that mm. give you more energy. You you do work and you work with people that you enjoy. That'll yeah. give you more energy. You spend some time with your family. Yeah. That'll give you energy. For me, I love to go out for, you know, I like to eat reasonably well, but I love to go mountain biking. I surf. Yeah. I do all this other stuff and I spend time with the kids. I didn't get to go for a mountain bike on the weekend because I don't know the, the weather in Melbourne it wasn't was really very like compliant. Really bad. I think we had biking. fifty millimeters. Of yes, rain. yeah, yeah. So, and now I'm kind of feeling like I really need like to get out there, it. lacking that energy. And I think sometimes we underestimate the value and the impact of actually doing those things that give us more energy, and we just kind of forget to do it. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't agree more. I call it the the concept of being successfully unhappy. You know, to the outside world, there's a whole lot of success that's going on for so many of us, you know, people who have that, the nice car and the nice house and their office looks like that and they've got this many kids and they've done this kind of study and they went on that holiday last year and it all looks quite good, but there is something that's missing, whether it's unhappiness or their health or the that energy stuff that you're referencing, Terence, I think is so, so important. And I love the comment that you made around there are certain people that we can go and hang out with and we know we walk away feeling more energised, you know, we feel better. And there are people we can hang out with, the energy vampires who, you know, we know it's going to be hard and how was your day and, oh, it was difficult and how was your week? Oh, that was hard too. You know, (laughs) there are those people in the world. So, you're right. I deliberately don't talk about work-life balance and I also don't talk about time management because there is yeah. no such thing as managing time. Yeah. You know, we can only manage ourselves and what we do with that 24 hours. So if we did measure our energy, I think there's probably some things that most of us would do differently. Change. And, yeah, yeah we also, I don't know that we pay enough attention. And, again, yeah. this is something I'm really aware of for myself is that, Our body 
and our brain are sending us messages all the time about you need to rest or you need to stop or you're waking up during the night. Constantly our body is communicating to us and we often don't listen until we wake up and feel like we cannot drag ourselves out of bed or, oh, I must book a holiday. We kind of wait until we're a bit desperate. You know, the, the same thing applies, I think, when people are looking for a job. You know, I always say to people, you should be looking for your next job or your next, you know, business opportunity when you're super happy where you are (laughs) because most of us wait until we want to sell our business when we're exhausted or we want to go for that next promotion or that next job because we hate the leader we're working for and by then we're tired, Mm. you know. So the energy thing and tuning into that I think is a really awesome point for you to make. Hmm. Yeah, and it becomes too late, I think. Or definitely. oh, no, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm full of silly ideas of creating <laughs> an energy monitor and stuck it under your armpit every morning and decide what you want to do for the day. <laughs> so probably that's what I think my take from the podcast will be. But anyway, we'll talk to engineering team. <laughs> <laughs> Something to give you more energy. Yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah. for me, the podcast gives me energy. You know, I really enjoy having these conversations. Mm. It's emotionally, mentally stimulating. And how cool the people on podcast we invite? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I just <laughs> said about the one you got today. Yeah. Yeah. To, to, to be honest, it's just like where else would you find an excuse? How else would we find, mm. Terence and myself, find mm. an excuse to talk to you on such a deep level? Yeah. And then you talk to our listeners. And this is what this podcast is about, connecting to this I call them brain trust of the nation. I don't know what yeah. else you are in the business community. You guys, the leaders, you inspirations without any flattery. It's just something with you moving the economy, you moving everything around you. And and they're being brave. You know, I think it requires a real level of courage to yeah, go into I, business. I, I you're almost reckless because how do you call Is it reckless? Yet? No, I'm not reckless. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like it's a measured recklessness. I don't know when, when I was listening to your story, I was thinking what I did when I was desperate, I'm going to become a cleaner. Mm. But when I'm more desperate, I'm going to set up business. It's just like with my business partner, I had a very big support, but going on your own, mm. gee, this is scary. Yeah. Although you also don't know what you don't know. When you're kind of starting out on it's your like own. It's like writing a book, yeah. yeah you, just, you, <laughs> you wouldn't start it if you did <laughs> That is a theme I should pay attention to for myself. <laughs> yes, it is. It you is. don't know, I didn't know what I didn't know. So it is, but I often haven't felt that way. You know, it, I think when you have a good plan, Nadia, and you have structure and you surround yourself with really great people who can give you good advice and tell you the truth, and it is kind of a bit of one day at a time. You know, if I look at my diary between now and Christmas, I actually have to take some deep breaths. But when I think about one day at a time and that I've got clarity and I'm very clear about what I say yes to, then it feels okay. You know, things like doing this podcast, they're actually, they can be easy things to say no to because they take time. Mm. It does take energy. If you gave energy to Teranza. <laughs> yes. when you have the purpose that we talked about earlier in this conversation and you say, so if, if a driver for me is finding opportunities to give back to people, then this feels like such a small thing. It doesn't even go any way to, to recognising all the people who've invested in me. You know, so I go, if I can give an hour or two of my time and share a few thoughts 
and there's a couple of people who go, oh, I might think about that or I'm going to have a conversation about that, that just like fills my heart with joy. Like it's just such a small way of being able to pay it forward because across my career, I have just met the most exceptional people who throw out these little bits of wisdom or agree to have a coffee with you or perhaps mentor you. And it's I've always wanted to be able to share some of that. So I, I think it's a privilege to be oh, here. Absolutely. I'm on other side of the spectrum. People feel sorry for me. She doesn't even speak proper English. <laughs> We will give you our chance. So thank you so much for coming in and uh, giving this. I do have a lot of self-irony like you, but in a different sort of... Uh, and I, I was very fortunate in Australia. I think Australia is a country of opportunity From my perspective, international perspective, I suppose, we are a bit tedless and complacent. You were spot on when you started our podcast with telling with all the vast of resources available mm-hmm. around here. With we have make very poor choices of not to read, not to exercise, not to eat healthy, and not to make a space in a business, but we get caught up in this mouse wheel. What do you call it when the hamster run around? Hamster wheel? The hamster wheel. Yeah, yeah hamster exactly. Wheel. That's yeah. what yeah. majority yeah. of the small businesses look like. Hamster wheels mm. from pipe to pipe. Yes, it's stressful. And this is result of choices we are making. So I um, would love to say huge thank you and just wrap up with for our listeners because I know how busy you are. I don't want to abuse uh. any more of your time. <laughs> and... Welcome, Terence, to step in any time. But it's just about having, to me, was what st- stood out. You had a very clear vision of your want to do. A lot of people travel blind and then think things will fall. They are not going to happen. There is no miracle. You do have to know where you're going. Otherwise, how you will get there if you don't know where you, to, you go? Another thing is reality check. You did emphasize, and a lot of people are illusional. They're illusional about what they can do. They're illusional about what market wants from them. And they're very, they're happy to be illusional for quite a number of years. And then they're surprised why. Delusional? <laughs> D- delusional? Delusional, yes. <laughs> Sorry, did I say something wrong? <laughs> <laughs> and just going through businesses. And also I liked the idea, successfully unhappy. That's a hidden, quite a lot of, there is a lot of hidden poverty when people get themselves into mortgages and cars and everything under loan and people face-wise, it's, it's just huge success. Um, when you look at the bank account, it's a misery. It's for me, it's a translation to accounting slang would be. <laughs> and you are put a big emphasis on structure, put a structure, rejuvenation. Any business owner has to have structure for rejuvenation because you garbage in, garbage out. That's what happens. You're having quantity over quality. And sometimes you have to produce less, but with higher quality. And this is what comes to your thoughts as well, mindset. Loved your managers versus leaders. Yes. Mm-hmm. Who is who we need to understand. And this is, I find, amongst business owners, biggest confusion. Who is managing business and who is leading business? Usually this, this is contradictory set of skill. Set of skill would requires from manager, the person who would come would be very methodical, process driven, where leader would come more big picture view. Hmm. That's what the manager is the operator. Hmm. The leadership to me is create the vision, assemble the team, remove obstacles. Yes, hmm. correct. And yeah. that's what comes around. Mm-hmm. And I love this motivation is coming to me like a caffeine uh, <laughs> rush. And it's wears off very quickly without commitment. And you have to have a plan and commitment plan. Love this commitment strategy idea mm-hmm. as well. Think about it. 
let's create a business as commitment strategy, what it looks like. What is it we committed every day to do? Mm-hmm. And what I'm committed every hour to do, just take my eyes from the screen and look in the distance, just to a little bit improve my vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do need to create a energy moment. That's my mm-hmm. take for today. Anything else would you like to There's one thing this? that we touched on that I just yes. want to go back to just really quickly before we finish up, and that is risk, right? You talked about risk. And I think that I look at that a little bit differently. What's the risk of doing nothing? Like mm. what happens, and I think you touched on that in mm. the book, yeah. like what happens if you actually do nothing? And that's the, the risk is that you're probably going to stay where you are and that's going to be a lot worse than if you actually go and do something, start the business, which I think, you know, which, and one of the other things I think we've really covered off well here is that starting a business is difficult. Mm. Expect it to be tough. Like stop going in expecting there to be shortcuts everywhere and you can just, you know, it's, it's really going to be easy. You're going to start making a whole lot of money from day one. But expect it to be tough, but the risk of doing nothing is far greater than the risk of actually going and doing something. Mm. That to me is the message that I'm getting from it. And another message I Mm. did find, business is all about fears. You are fearful, you're jumping into unknown. What I did like, your take on risk is get curious. Mm. Are you designed to handle it? Are you designed to survive? It's almost an adrenaline rush going through the hardship and knowing that Maybe you won't get out of okay, but it's you are very, but yet you're forever curious to find out it. How do, else do you know without trying? Mm. That's mm. what I loved about curiosity. Mm. Yeah. So on that note, Lisa, thanks a lot for Aww. spending the time with us. Well, yeah. you know, and helping us to increase our energy levels. Today. That was so fun. It was, it was really, really fun. Yeah, I loved being here, and thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we and we appreciate our copies of Red One, your book. Yes. Read, me, Read first. me first. So how do people find you, find out about you, yeah. connect with you? Thank you for asking. So there is a webpage you can go to, readmefirst.com.au, if anyone wants to order the book. It'll be in bookstores from August. You'll be able to pick up copies in store. If you'd like to follow me on Instagram and see the journey that I'm on with my team and what we're doing with our business, please go to Instagram and look up Who Am I Projects with an S on the end, Who Am I Projects. And if you'd love an overview and to learn a bit more about what I'm kind of operating in the world and what my business looks like, you can actually head to lisastevensonconsulting.com.au. Stevenson is with a PH, lisastevensonconsulting.com.au. And that's the place where I actually track what's happening within our global consulting business, what's happening with the book, our coaching practice, and also the speaking that I do. So would love to connect with anyone that listened to this and hear what they thought and I'm happy to kind of share more about what we do. And of course, we'll put that in the show notes for the podcast and we'll share some stuff around on Instagram and on our website as well. So thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Hugs all around. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Unfair Advantage Project. For more curated resources, visit us at unfairadvantageproject.com.